You're listening to the Very Serious Crafts Podcast. We're very serious crafters, and we craft very serious crafts. Very serious. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of the Very Serious Crafts Podcast. I'm Heidi from Hands Occupied. I'm Molly from Wild Olive. And I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors. Today, we'll be talking about moments of no turning back in crafts, the less exciting parts of design, and the skills we've been unnecessarily afraid of. Yay! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This could be be a rough episode. (laughs) I don't know. Well, Well, I mean, (laughs) the less exciting parts of design doesn't inspire... uh, Excitement? Excitement, <laughs> I guess. Um, right. Anyway. It's okay. It's, it's just the reality. Um, well, at least, at, least it's for, at least for this episode, I'm not massively sleep deprived. Um, I listened to our Valentine's Day episode recently, and I just wanted to say I'm sorry. I was so freaking tired, you guys, and listening. <laughs> I don't think I noticed. I feel like I sounded so out of it, but whatever. <laughs> um, but it, since um, we recorded that episode, the new thing that's been keeping me up at night is um, I've become very well acquainted with the plumbing in my building, let's just say. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the, the too long didn't read rundown, the long story short is we've had four separate instances of water in our home in we had that in the course of eight days maybe oh yeah that's awful and some context that uh, this was this started during the chicago sub freezing adventure right yeah the, the the polar vortex like not long after our live show for the podcast so like the yeah. last week of january Oof. it was like two days after i left i think <laughs> yeah. that the first one <laughs> happened yeah. yeah sorry i was holding it all together oh yeah you should have stayed <laughs> And have all of these incidents, are they connected or are they all separate things? Most likely they're separate. It's Oh, yay. No. Yeah, it's roof foundation, um, drainage system, um, and then just a good old burst pipe. Yep. And I know that our listeners from North Dakota will be like, Heidi, you know what to do in winter. But the pipes aren't the pipes aren't strong enough in Chicago. <laughs> They're not strong enough. <laughs> and I yeah, mean, there's only so much like running a little bit of water can do mm-hmm. when yeah. you're in the face of like what negative twenty two or something. Yeah, yeah. Actual yeah. temperature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was... And you don't have necessarily the insulation that you might have in right. say Fargo. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's been a yeah. Don't you know? Fun time. Yeah. Yeah, ufta, as the Norwegians say. (laughs) That's a thing that the North Dakota listeners will know, too. Anyway, enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) My my latest thing is not quite as troubling as yours, Heidi. But it it could be, depending on how you look at it. Uh, Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing some research for... Um, I round up post of dog knitting patterns. Already sure. fantastic. I love getting to do this kind of work. <laughs> but uh, in the middle of it, I was, well, I was looking at 
beds pet, that you could uh, knit. And I came up with this one that was, well, it was actually a crocheted because the internet can't tell the difference between knit and crochet. That's a whole other thing, though. <laughs> oh, the internet's really bad at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Um, I have thoughts and feelings. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're, we'll come back to that because we could talk about it as a whole topic, uh-huh. but um, it's a bigger thing than that. Anyway, I don't want to get too far off. <laughs> um, so there was this. Reel it in. Reel it in. <laughs> yes. This really cute domed bed. And it was meant to be a cat bed, I think, uh, because that is makes it more the pink sense. one that everybody has seen. <laughs> no, it's different than that. It's it's pink, but it had stuffed hamsters in it, I guess. Uh-huh. And I immediately thought, huh. oh, my guinea pigs need this. I need to crochet them a, a little Heidi bed thing because, yeah. Of course they do. I don't understand how you haven't already done it. <laughs> I just, I, I have made things for them, but I have not crocheted for them yet. And I think that t-shirt yarn would work really well for this. Mm. So it's like, really what about chisel twine? Uh, no. <laughs> no, come on. Come on. Don't try and tell me that's I, a good idea. Know, <laughs> a structured hut. <laughs> um, a yurt for your anyway. guinea pig. I don't want to wander into into your a yurt story yet. <laughs> a yurt Wait, is a what? good idea. That's what it should be. Okay. <laughs> but we've already mentioned the twine. So go for it, Haley. What do you got for us? Uh, well, I, I didn't actually mean to jump in there. I no, was no, just no. having it's, a brainstorm. It's a good jump. Um, it's good. But ugh, anyway. Um, so speaking of Sissel Twine and why it's a terrible idea and why everyone reacted the way that they did. Uh-huh. So Mr. Big Stuff, my newly adopted cat, does not like scratching cardboard. Like it's cardboard scratchers are not his thing. And I have a turbo scratcher for him, which Probably most cat owners have one of these. It's a little circular thing with like a, a track with a ball around it. And in the center is a cardboard scratching pad. Mm-hmm. And it's when it, it's a floor, like an on the floor sort of thing. And so Mr. Big Stuff is super not into it, but he also needs to... Uh, he's diabetic and had some pretty severe muscle atrophy um, that happened when his diabetes was uncontrolled before I before he was mine. And so he needs the exercise and the movement that scratching that wanting to scratch something provides. Mm-hmm. And so I decided because he likes this Sissel twine vertical scratcher that we got him that I would just weave, an insert for his turbo scratcher with sizzle twine. It's like, perfectly That'll logical. be totally fine, right? Mm-hmm. It'll be quick. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it'll be great. And I can say that it was wildly successful. Like, <laughs> it, it turned out well. It looks really good. It uh, He uses it. He's super excited about it. So... All of the things fell into place, and it wasn't just one of those things that I spent hours and hours doing 
that then the cat ignored. So uh-huh. so that was a win. <laughs> Yay. But oh my hands, guys. They're still recovering. And also, why didn't I just crochet it? Why did I think I was going to I I made a cardboard loom um, uh-huh. that I was going to center um I, I intended to weave on both sides to make it thick enough to fit in the space. And so I made a loom out of cardboard that was going to be the center mm-hmm. uh, okay. between the top and bottom weaving. Did all of that. Oh, it worked out. But I, oh, no. <laughs> weaving with sizzle twine. Like, I, I even had thick sizzle twine. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> and I didn't wear gloves and it, it was <sighs> I may never recover, you, but the cat is happy and that's all that matters. Do you there just you have mondo calluses right now? Just so thick? Uh not as bad as you would think, but in weird places, like halfway down my middle finger. Ugh. Like, I don't even know. Uh-huh. Like, hmm? <laughs> I guess maybe there's a pulling motion, but it, yeah, it's so it's it's a mess and whatever. It's fine. I will because I'm so delighted that it's actually being used and that it also isn't ugly. Mm-hmm. I will put a photo up in the show notes, but. Oh, <laughs> it was such a bad idea. <laughs> really, the biggest thing, though, is that he likes it because we do know that cats, you just, you never know, you never know how they're going to react to this sort of thing. No, I had a conversation with him when I put it in <laughs> into the Turbo Scratch. I was like, listen, we got to talk, Mr. Big Stuff. You will like this. You will do Please this. step into my office. <laughs> oh my anyway. goodness! Well, that's that is so much more interesting than um, <laughs> the topic I am segueing to now. I'll just warn you all, listeners, unless you are really interested in knit and crochet design. <laughs> um, I, like this. I mean, they probably I like are. It. It's it's sort of like pulling back the curtain a bit. Yeah. Well, let's do it then. Um, so, knitting and Pay crochet. Pay no attention to the man behind the... <laughs> there was Wizard of Ozing. There was nothing I could do. <laughs> well, mm. welcome to the Emerald City of Knit Design. Can I continue this <laughs> metaphor in any sort of useful way? I don't know. Probably not, because that's what always happens. Are you happens. the great and powerful Heidi of Oz? <laughs> I, like, I like being referred to as great and powerful. I am definitely the Wicked Witch of the West. I'm just going to call it. And Molly's Glinda. She wears pink. I do wear pink. <laughs> You're Glinda, the Witch of the North. All right. I have anyway. no idea if this whole tangent will fit in anywhere, but whatever. I hope it does. I'll get you. <laughs> All right. So mm. the boring parts of knit and crochet design get amped. <laughs> Woo! So So this whole week I've been doing the final, putting the final touches on the layout for a new um, shawl design that I'm doing for a collection that comes out in the fall with um, uh, Zen Yarn Garden. They're a Canadian yarn company. It gave me a chance to work with really nice hand-dyed cashmere yarn, and I was not mad about it. (laughs) Fancy. It was. And beautiful. Um, So I did this design, and I had finished the sample. 
probably in early January, and I even emailed my editor like, unless I lose an arm, you're going to even get my stuff early. Long <laughs> did not happen. Never say that. <laughs> say that. Maybe that's why my house has been exploding and all of these other things are happening. I, I jinxed myself. You tangled myself. with the universe. I did. <laughs> um, but as, uh, as of now, I have untangled my universe and it's good. And so... Yay! With this design, it is another um, Intarja beast, because that's what I've really been compelled to make design-wise Intarja lately. beast trademark? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so the much like Intarja Mountain, which was the other big Intarja pattern I talked about designing on this podcast, when I was like, my chart has this many pixels per square inch, blah, 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 if you'll recall from Intarja season Intarja Mountain is also a really good description of the process of designing it. Yeah. Yes. And knitting it, to be fair. <laughs> um, fair enough. Anyway, so yeah, I used a similar process to design this new intarsia pattern. Um, I used my Stitch Mastery software. I charted every stitch for the whole thing um, so that I could calculate the correct um, balance of what colors of yarn I was using so that I didn't Mm -hmm. end up with odd amounts at the end. Because the last thing you want to do, especially when you buy a really nice yarn, is knit this whole thing and be like, I have 50 grams left. This is like however many dollars of yarn. Like like that stinks for a knitter. Yeah, sure. Um, so I did a lot of math and charting it is the way to go, especially with where my hands are at. But the, one of the last things I do in my design process is I chart the whole thing. I make the sample and then I go back through and convert the charted instructions to typical written instructions with abbreviations because charts Mm -hmm. are not for everyone. And I think you two are not team charts, right? I have actually recently converted. I believe that I went on a tangent once about how I hated charts. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if it was on the podcast or just to you. (laughs) Um, But I I have very recently... um, You were so surprised by that that I, uh, in my current project, have... um, I decided to try only looking at the chart just to see. Mm -hmm. And I like both now. Yeah. 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 And I... um, we will get into this topic a little bit later as we're talking about things we're <laughs> unnecessarily afraid of. But mm-hmm. I have not been a chart person, but that could be changing. Okay. Well, let me know. I'll teach you the ways. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but charts are just so nice for, like, if you're working from a large-scale color work thing, too, because then if you memorize the symbols, you can just read it like a book. Yeah. And not have to turn pages and not have to be like, oh my gosh, what is this like 10 symbol abbreviation and things like that. I oh, dig- yeah. I digress. Well, though. and you can watch, <laughs> you can binge watch something mm-hmm. and totally. just glance down instead of having to read. And it's a lot, it's a lot faster. That's what I just learned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like it. It's really efficient when it clicks with you like conceptually. So, mm-hmm. but since not everybody's team charts... Um, In my designs, I always like to offer the charted instructions, but that kind of means going through the entire chart stitch by stitch by stitch and writing it out. Like you can export it from software, but for the, this design, I was like, I think this opens, like including the robot will introduce too much chance for error. So I Mm. sat down and just for 12 hours, just, it was just like knitting but a little faster, but it was like knitting, but without actually getting to do any crafts. So it's like right to left, row one, left to right, row two. Again, for 136 rows that are 280 stitches wide, my friends. Woo! Yep. That's a lot. 
happening. It is. Yeah. So you're basically the robot. Yep. Not as much as mm-hmm. Haley. Like, I, I can't compete with Haley's <laughs> robot level, but sometimes I can be like a robot. <laughs> that was not where I thought this was going. You're not wrong. <laughs> I am a robot. But <laughs> Wait, then does that make you more like the Tin Man? That would make, that would mean I don't have a heart. Uh, after he gets the heart. Okay. Doesn't Sorry, that's terrible. Does he find that he's always had one? <laughs> I don't remember. Wizard of Oz spoilers? I don't even know. Wizard of Oz spoilers? <laughs> Is that a thing? I, I don't think when so. When did that I, come I out? just made it a thing. <laughs> uh, it's been a minute. Well, it was one of the earliest color, like hand color, hand painted color yeah. films. So what, the 30s? I was going to think, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if I were to guess, know. I would say 36, but I don't know why. I'm going to Google it right now. <laughs> Good. Carry on, and I will get back okay, to so you. Okay, yeah. here's a question for you, Heidi. Yeah. As you chart the using the software, mm-hmm. does the chart itself help you? Um, does that does that help you calculate the yardage required within the chart, or like because I'm thinking like a swatch does that it helps um with a lot of that Mm -hmm. but with the color changes and things does that affect it in a huge way or is it just the same um so i what i do is i calculate my gauge and i calculate the rate um like how many grams per stitch i'm using so then when i have my chart so i can i can calculate my gauge scale that up to the pattern and this one this one i did without any shaping so it's a perfect rectangle so the math is a little Mm -hmm. bit easier um and i think it's also a little bit easier for knitters to like conceptually grasp too but Mm -hmm. so i calculate how many grams of yarn i I know how many grams of yarn i have i calculate the rate at which i'm using it per stitch so then i can usually i actually physically print out the chart and draw my design because i want it to look like a person made it and not just pixel art right which charts can easily turn into depending on your gauge and all sorts of other things. Um, and so I draw it out and then I count how many stitches per color my drawing works out at. And then I start altering from there. If I'm like, oh, I need to use more of color C and way less of color A because I don't have that much yarn or I do it all out and I'm like, yep. oh boy, I'm going to need to add a border or I want to add a border or whatever. So it's oh, it, interesting. And at the end of the day, it's all just basic algebra. Um, mm-hmm. And all of that math is my my big way personally of saving my hands knitting and tearing out because there's plenty of designers that I know who just, they are like queen of the frogs. They, they'll knit like a whole thing and be like, that didn't work, tear it out and do it again. <sighs> yeah, no. no. And I don't knit fast enough for that to be yeah. no. an option. But that's actually really interesting. Um, and I think it's a it's a really useful thing that it, that most people wouldn't necessarily think of when they think of the design process. Mm-hmm. Like actually trying to be responsible with color use and making like the actual thought goes into making making you not buy like three extra skeins that you're only going to use like 40 grams of mm-hmm. or something yeah. like that like or 
you know, 50 yards of or whatever. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. that's, that's really, I think that speaks to like the difference between just a random person who's perfectly capable of drawing a chart and customizing something mm-hmm. versus the actual thought process of of truly thought through professional designing. Mm-hmm. And it's also yeah. why, like, if somebody complains that a pattern costs too much, um, and I try to stick to the standard, like, independent knit designer pricing of around $5, but if I have a pattern that has eight pages of charts plus an extra chart that's designed so you can do your gauge swatch using the same technique used in the finished pattern so that, mm-hmm. especially since these examples that I'm talking about are intarsia, that affects yeah. um, gauge. Often it flattens out um, your stitch aspect ratio, so to yeah. speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, intarsia mountain was $7 because there was, yeah, it was a 20-page pattern. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, and the then the, the, swatch, w- the swatch was its own chart, too. Um, so it's kind of like, and if somebody doesn't want to pay that, that's fine. I have a lot of free patterns, probably more than I should on my blog and is what it is. Yeah. That's yeah. uh, Yeah. You're, you're getting the quality that you're paying for Mm -hmm. in, in that. And I feel like a lot of people, especially maybe people who are newer to knitting don't truly grasp that the reason that that they think a pattern is good or bad, like whether they find it easy or not, mm-hmm. has a lot to do with all of those background or all of that background work that they never see mm-hmm. going into making a truly quality knitting pattern. And that that is an extremely large amount of work and also worth mm-hmm. paying for. Yeah. Yeah. But. Oh, 1939 is the answer. Ooh, ah. close. Wizard of Oz, right. 1939. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, my boring topic suddenly became more interesting. Thanks, thanks, friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, I find that, I think that's very interesting. I like that. I hear, maybe it's because I'm starting to dip my toe into knit and crochet design I find that to be very, very valuable information. But even without that, I like knowing more about what's going on in the background. Yeah. And I, I just like graphs and charts. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why I think Haley's a robot, folks. <laughs> <laughs> not wrong. But in a really good way. Yes. <laughs> and not in an evil way. When the robot apocalypse comes, I, I will spare you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, um, so the maybe not super interesting, but maybe interesting topic that I have for us today. Oh, boy, guys, come on. We don't have I a know, lot of confidence depressing. today. <laughs> but this is not. This is what I'm going to tell you about. The reason I'm talking about this today is because I was on Instagram and I had one of those moments where I was like, oh, oh my goodness. Oh, it was that. And that was, I probably made that actual sound. Wait, what was that? Uh, yeah, just, just rewind. To, just rewind to hear it again. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and what elicited that reaction, Molly? <laughs> so um, I, was, I was just scrolling along and I, I was looking at punch needle 
because that's <laughs> what we all do now in our spare time. Uh, uh-huh. And that's true, actually. Yeah. Just for people it listening, is. that that is really what we do in our spare time. Yeah. It's it's getting worse. It's getting worse. But anyway, I'm finding really good things, beautiful things, amazing. Anyway, so I look and there's a video, and this woman has a a gallon bottle of Elmer's glue, and she's just she's pouring it all over the back of her punch needle, and I was like, oh. it, I I read the caption, and this is she she was she was making a pillow, and so. It's a pillow cover. And she said, you don't have to do this. You don't have to glue the back of your punch needle. But this is a step to preserve it because she has a family and they'll use this pillow and it will make it safer so it doesn't pull out. But all I could think of was once you start pouring that glue, uh, that's it. Now you have glue (laughs) on the back of your punch needle. I mean, Heidi and I are just sitting here the... The listeners cannot see us, obviously, but we have both been like leaned forward with mouths agape the entire time Molly was saying that. Yeah, it's that visual image is definitely whatever that noise was you made. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I like I'll talk about this um, later with color work, but it was like the first time that I heard about cutting a steak. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, I was like, yeah, that scares oh. me. <laughs> yeah. Be, it's like, because that's it. I mean, if you got it wrong, you got it wrong. That's it. Steaking, steaking, yeah. speaking of steaking, that could be another oh. podcast. <laughs> speaking of steaking, yeah. I feel like Ned Flanders hosts. Yeah. Or, In like 1999. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. But genuinely speaking of steaking, um, <laughs> Can we just talk about, like, what a psychotic monster, like, must have been the person who was like, I know, I'm going to do this beautiful color work yoke. I imagine it was February, somewhere in upper Scandinavia, and they had lost their mind. And they were like, I'm going to do this yoke and cut it in half. Yeah. You know Uh, what I think happened there? I think they spent all of this time doing this beautiful thing. And that during the time they spent doing this beautiful thing, somebody who shall not be named because they are imaginary gained 30 pounds. <laughs> I mean, okay, so. And that needed to zip, not pull. For <laughs> listeners who don't know what steaking is, because this is a new, oh, right. yeah, that a new term for me. This is where when you do like knitting color work. Uh, you're working with multiple colors or like fair isle knitting and it's mm-hmm. easiest to work in the round but not everything you want to make would be knit in the round and so mm-hmm. it's a way of basically you make a place where you cut through the knitting to open it up make it flat or make a cardigan yeah, and make it into a cardigan yeah yeah and honestly when i learned about this i was are you kidding me what what is this madness yeah. so yeah yeah it's that's weird it's terrifying. It's madness. Well, it, is. it is. Yeah. Madness. And, and also, the another argument for working in the round there is your tension will be more even if you're working all in sure. knit stitches. Yeah. Oh, sure. And still. Yeah, knitting is a, yeah. a mind cutting of through horrors. <laughs> cutting through your, Cutting your knitting in half is never the first place that I would go to. So, yeah. yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> but, and, um... 
But it got me thinking about all of those things where that exists in a craft. On a smaller scale, I recently was working on a project where I was I was making a countdown board and I had this wooden it was like it looked like a section of a fence sort of, but it was like planks plank wooden thing. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so I was using that for a project and I needed to paint it, but it was with a type of paint that I had not really worked with much before. And I could kind of Mm. test it. I could do like a little test on the back, but I knew that once I put the paint to this on this thing, it, it was never going to be the same again. I thought I probably could paint over it, maybe, but I wasn't really sure. And so once the paint touches whatever it is that you're doing, there's a chance that that's it. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to have to go out and buy all new supplies. That would right. be what oh, I would yeah. have to do. Oh, yeah. I feel that way when soaking needlework, um, yes. when washing it to to frame it, especially if there's anything red stitched in there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's over. <laughs> like, it does not, like, when I wrote the, the two books that I just wrote that were cross-stitch books, like, I was all done except for that. And like the moment that needlework hits the water, it's all over. Yep. Like it could go terribly, terribly wrong. And there is absolutely nothing you can do about it but start over. Oof. I had that happened to me once. I had never had a problem with my red floss running before. It had never mm-hmm. happened. And I naively went to soak a piece of all red work for a project that I had to mail within a day or two. Oh, no. And, yeah, it just bled all over the place. And I'm happy to say that a color grabber sheet did work in that situation. But that was... Oh, I I love those. I thought, what am I going to do? Yeah. But I've had also had... I recently was working on an embroidery project where I needed to embroider all of the pieces on bigger fabric and then cut it down because... The cut pieces were going to be too small to fit into a hoop, and I was going to risk right. ruining it. But once I started cutting, if I didn't have things centered, if I had things <clears throat> just off enough, I was going to have oh, yeah. to go back, re-embroider everything, and that was it. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Expensive fabric, like, oh, boy. Well, and... The thing that's so, like, the other layer of this is us doing this professionally adds a specific kind of anxiety because we're just trying to make our deadline and, like, do our work. Yeah. And it costs us so much time and, therefore, money when something gets crazy messed up by just some accident. But it also can be... And, I mean, that happens. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The materials factor, though, really can be... It can be devastating if you are making something out of something precious. Or even something not mm-hmm. as precious, but precious to you. It might. It doesn't have to be a costly material. Or if but, you just don't have more of it. Right. And yeah. can't get more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the number of times that you see people um, in search of things, fabrics or yarns because... Oh, man. Ah! But yeah, so I was asking my mom about this and she... The, the example that came to mind for her was when you are making something that has sleeves and you've sewn in the sleeves and... You go, yes, this is right. And then you trim the fabric to get it all finished. And then you look at it again and you go, this is not right. And now mm-hmm. all of the extra fabric is gone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or adding 
adding buttonholes at the end of something yes. is also one of the things that makes me want to twitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I have made a beautifully fitted thing that I'm, like, maybe we'll do snaps. Because <laughs> buttonholes, like, yeah. can ruin same. your life. <laughs> I have had the same thing when I've done eyelets or grommets. And yeah. you have you have to do it that last thing. That's how that works. But once you make the hole for it, that's where it is going to be. That's mm-hmm. it. Yep. <laughs> yep. That <laughs> is what it is. Nothing to be done. Measure uh-huh. twice, cut once is a thing for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait. Uh, stab once. Yeah. Um, like think thirty times. Stab once. I like think thirty times. <laughs> Um, oh, how about my example of that phrase would be um, chart a 280 by 136 chart five times draft and knit once. There you go. Which is the way to save your hands. And lose, your, sure. and lose your mind. <laughs> yeah. Yes. At that is true. Your eyesight become a problem. <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. Or just your basic reading comprehension. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like <laughs> that it is it's really easy to accidentally lose yourself in your own weeds. Mm-hmm. Like you're not just getting lost in in the weeds. You're getting lost in your own. That's very hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. Anyway, I pick it up where you're putting down though. <laughs> and that na- oh, na- naps are very useful in these cases, folks. That is true. That is true. <laughs> so, um, speaking of utterly terrifying things, or things that I thought... Things I thought were, except that it's going to be a thing. One thing. A, a thing that I thought was utterly terrifying <laughs> for years. And, and this will be funny, given that I am a professional crafter. Mm-hmm. I have designed knitting patterns. Like, this is... I. I can do complicated things. One thing that I had never done until the last couple of weeks, knitting cables. Which shocks me. Never done it. really does surprise me. And it, that was the general response when I was like, ah, I'm teaching myself how to knit cables. And people were like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, really? (laughs) Because... How have you not encountered them before? The answer is very carefully. Um, (laughs) On purpose. On purpose. So I'm knitting this hat um, called the Bosque Hat, uh, and it's designed by Robin Ulrich. And it is this lovely sort of um, beret-looking hat, and... Well, I think the design looks like leaves, which is sort of what I was going for, but it's called the boss cap because apparently everyone else, including the designer, presumably thinks it looks like pears. Um, (laughs) Which, they're not wrong. (laughs) But it has a tiny bit of cabling at the base of each pair. And I was not quite afraid enough to not by the pattern and this is just for me i'm actually using yarn that i got when i was in chicago with you guys at molly's local fancy knitting store what what's the name of that store again uh wool and company 
Wool and Company. Yeah. So I got this yarn that is red and blue, and it's actually, I think the the name of the yarn is Chicago, mm-hmm. and yeah. I didn't realize that when I was getting it for I, my uh, touristy I'm just gonna, yarn. I'm just going to interject here that personally, I would prefer that it were black and white for Chicago because go Sox, not go Cubs. <laughs> I'm not a big sports ball person, but... Go Sox. Oh, wait. Is that a sports ball reference? Yeah, the yeah, Chicago Cubs. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, and Sorry. then I will say this as the other Chicago uh, dweller in the mix. Um, if they really wanted to do Chicago, they could do Chicago flag colors and do red, light blue, and white. Yeah. Which yeah, would be, I think, I think nice. A little bit lighter. I would have thought it was the flag. but Yeah. Uh, well, okay, fine. The more anyway, you know. I- I didn't know that I was knitting a sports ball hat, but apparently I'm knitting a sports ball hat. Uh Um, But but that's fine. That's fine. So the fact that I am learning to knit cables finally also means that I get to use my beautiful glass cable needle that I got at Vogue Knitting Live, I think, a couple of years ago, probably longer ago than I think. Um, but it is, it's this beautiful, it, you know how sometimes you buy a tool just because it's, it's so lovely yes. to look at yeah. and you're so delighted that it is also useful. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, and so that was the reason that I, that I bought this glass cable needle uh, and it's by a maker called Moving Mud and um, I also got a darning needle, a glass darning needle at the same time. And they're both just beautiful, useful tools. And I, uh, I will link to them in the show notes. Cool. But so I was a little afraid on top of having never knit cables before that um, to use the glass cable needle mm-hmm. because I was a little afraid that it was going to break. Ah. Yeah. Because I did not... I did not know what I was doing, and turns out cables are incredibly easy, and I did not need to worry about it at all. It was not a problem, and also, like, the glass needle, quite sturdy, quite beautiful. I'm very pleased, and um, yeah, that is... That is my statement on knitting cables. <laughs> Molly, you still haven't knit cables, right? I still haven't knit cables. Not truly. Yet. I've done a little bit of the like twisting stitches that sort of looks like cables, but I haven't actually sure. done cables because I also have been afraid of them. You totally shouldn't be. I know. They're easy. <laughs> the thing is... My grandma wanted to teach me how to knit cables, and I was, no, that's too, I can't do that. That's too involved, and it's one of my big regrets that I didn't learn it from her. So now I really need to learn how to do it. I owe it to her, so I will learn Mm -hmm. it. It's on my list. Well, I would be delighted to make a video and and show you because it's so easy. Okay. Mm -hmm. You, you You will laugh in the same way that I'm laughing at myself. You will be like, oh. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, that that's it? Yeah. That's all it is. <laughs> and I'll just I'll just say without like trying to sound like a know-it-all, it's really just mm. a matter of knitting stitches out of order. That's all it is. It's it's very easy. And how you knit them out of order decides which direction the cable turns. Exactly. And that is 
that's it. Yeah. You yeah. either put the cable needle in front of your work or you put the cable needle behind your work and that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that there isn't anything more to it. Okay. You can do it. I can do it. Yeah. I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got a whole set of cable tutorial videos that I can send you the playlist of Molly if you want. Okay. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then and that, then you can have t- Heidi do it because <laughs> that will be way better than having me go Look! Ah! Glass needle! Ah! <laughs> I feel like that would be more fun. I mean, no disrespect yeah. to you, Heidi, but, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just like, they already exist so that Haley wouldn't have to deal with doing the work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to put a whole lot of effort into it. <laughs> I, I think I was going to make an Instagram story that I that I now don't have to make. Um <laughs> So Heidi, what's what's something that you have been unnecessarily afraid to do? Um, well, this is kind of a callback to your punch needle glue thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's finishing on rugs. I mean, like the the sewing based finishing, where like in latch hook or punch needle, like you fold over your he- your your seams and then you sew mm-hmm. it down and then you do the thing. Um, but. I had never seen. Wait, what is the thing? And well, and then and, and you do sorry. One thing. That, that is that is incredibly not helpful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then you like you know, applique it onto a a cushion cover or you oh, okay. sew it to something you know whatever. The next logical step, whatever it might be. The thing, duh. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, but I had never seen the glue method, which I think is really interesting for punch needle because it would be able to like saturate all the way down through the back of the stitches and through the fibers and almost work like a scotch guard. Yeah. You know? But I don't I don't think that it was actually going all the way through to the front because I okay. think they were keeping it fairly I hope it wasn't because that would look bad. Yeah. It'd be I really think... hard to make that even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so the Elmer's glue thing was something I was new to for rug finishing. But what I had read a lot about in like the vintage craft books um, that I referred to when I wanted to really get into latch hook, when Mm -hmm. I decided that was a thing I needed in my life. I mean, it was, but it was like... (laughs) I mean, it really was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so in in the um, Reader's Digest Complete Guide to Needlework... Um, specifically, they have a section on finishing a latch hook rug with latex on the back. So you use cool. liquid latex, and you it's almost like screen printing. You smooth it out, so you try to get the d- distribution evenly, and then that locks in the fibers, but also is a rug grip on the yeah. back. Oh, okay. you know, I made um, soles for crocheted slippers. I wrote a whole tutorial about doing that yeah. um, on, on wool yeah. Or I'm Wolf Felt Souls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that scares me about these... Other- that makes sense a lot. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's the, the visual image of, like, the gasp noise Molly made, but also <laughs> the, like, how would you get it even? How does it dry? How bad can you mess this yeah. up? <laughs> yeah. And that is the problem that, that I find, generally speaking. I am capable of messing things up on a level unimagined by the person who was writing instructions because I overthink every single part of it and like and 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 I will spectacularly fireball fail um something the easier it's supposed to be the more likely that I will do something that it's never occurred to the person who was 
instructing me how to do it that anyone might do <laughs> that. It's rough. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. Liquid latex. I don't know, man. Liquid latex is cool, though, because it isn't It isn't um, quite as liquidy as the uh as elmer's glue and i say this as a a, as a former gothy youth with some experience with liquid latex Mm -hmm. (laughs) that it is like the viscosity is different yeah and like its ability to soak into things is also not the same like it does it it doesn't want to yeah Mm -hmm. in the same way that a water-based um glue Mm -hmm. yeah would like to well and then it's also like uh, maybe this is getting a little into the weeds, but also like wool is a naturally repellent fiber, so that mm-hmm. might impact how this works from a like, t- like a very small yeah, like sense. zoomed sure. in perspective, so to speak. Uh, yeah. But that actually makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. That would make it much safer. Yeah. To mm-hmm. use well anything. Yeah. But um, and also maybe why the Elmer's glue thing isn't the worst idea that I think it is. Mm-hmm. If someone was using something with lanolin yeah. um, already on it. Mm-hmm. It might be yeah. fine. I I think that the the secret here is to make it small and simple, and then you'll get a better idea of how scary it's going to be, and you won't feel quite as like I'm wrecking everything. Um, and I mean, if you could pour those something on, it's not the same as trying to into like to slowly dab. You're more likely to get something to soak in in a way you don't want to mm-hmm. if you are trying to do small sections as opposed to just pour a vat of glue on it. Like, <laughs> well, because you can do that fast and yeah. then you can flip it over. Mm, yeah. So it so it isn't upside down the whole time. Right. And I don't yeah. know what this technique looks like, but I will send there, you there the video. Are, <laughs> oh, please do, so we could all. Uh, gasp and grab our hearts. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so starting small, uh, I'm just going to segue a little bit here. Very smooth. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> smooth as latex. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that is very smooth. Uh, I, I use that small idea to do one of the things that I've also been afraid to do, which is to knit socks. <laughs> Yes. And and I knit a teeny tiny sock. I've only ever done... And it's cute. Thank you. I've only ever worked with double-pointed needles one time before, where I made one single hexy puff from the Bee Capers quilt. You all know that one, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ages and ages ago, I made one hexy puff. I still have it. It's adorable. But it's one. Anyway. So yeah, I had never really done double-pointed needles, and now I made this little sock, and I feel like, okay, I, I don't know why I was afraid to do this. I can do this. Oh yeah, the first time I made a sock, I felt the same. Like, it, the time came to turn the heel, yep. and I was like, oh, that's math. That's easy math. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. That's it, fine. It that, that is not a problem. It wasn't mm-hmm. bad at all. I also, uh, all of my things that I'm afraid of to, to do, are they're always related to knitting. And yeah, <laughs> I don't know why that is. Anyway, because knitting is terrifying. Yeah, duh, duh, duh. <laughs> but I did some color work. 
Wait, what was that again? <laughs> I just said, I just said, I just mouthed like disagree oh. <laughs> <laughs> about how scary knitting is. Yeah, no. I mean, I also disagree. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Once I'm actually doing it, I'm like, why was I, why is I, why was I worried about this? But anyway, it's actually really forgiving because you can undo, mm-hmm. yep. you may have lost some time, but you haven't cut anything probably. Uh, but yeah, so I did. <laughs> some color work for the first time as well and really really was excited about that now i have all these things that i want to make <laughs> but anyway mm-hmm. in the middle of that, this that is the problem that yeah. trying these things like no longer being afraid begets more projects yep yeah uh, uh so heidi do you have any other other things that you have that have terrified you no i am fearless <laughs> Wow. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> That's what happens when Heidi gets sleep. <laughs> she does things. <laughs> it, it, she does things and is fearless. I, I appreciate that. And, and designs things mm-hmm. and all of the things. I yeah. mean, spinning is something that, like, in theory would be fun to get into. <clears throat> I just, it's such an investment of time and money. And I already don't have time and not enough money for a huge another investment yeah Yeah. i keep looking at spindles like looking at them sideways every time i go into any sort of local yarn store and uh, i don't need a drop spindle Mm -hmm. i don't need that Mm -hmm. hobby also i'm bad at it i have tried it once and it was an unmitigated disaster Mm -hmm. i same it was and yet but I, I am actually afraid to try it, so I guess it <laughs> It's funny because I had not really thought of spinning to be one of the things that I would be afraid to try. But in reality, I'm realizing that my, my mom gave me a drop spindle one year for Christmas. I was, mm-hmm. I don't know, I was probably like 12 or, 12 or 13 or something. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I still have it somewhere, but I've still never used it because apparently... <laughs> I was a little nervous about doing that, and I never mm-hmm. really th- thought about it until now. I mean, it's I, – I have seen someone new pick it up. Uh, my friend uh, Kim Worker, who is a known person in the crafting world <laughs> and especially in the knitting and crochet world uh-huh. – um, she and I were at Maker Faire and decided we were going to tr- stop in and try spinning with a drop spindle – at a, a booth that one could do that. I sat down and utterly failed. She sat down, and I can't remember if she'd ever done it before, but she sat down and was just like immediately fine. <laughs> just like, oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was embarrassing. We'll, we'll eventually get there. We'll eventually master all of the crafts. <laughs> all of them, we're, all of we're them. Ju- it's only a matter of time <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that's actually scary there are so many and that's the thing i'm most afraid of is that i'm going to want to be like i really just need to do all of them mm-hmm. no i need to cut it off at some point <laughs> so at the end of the day it's literally a matter of time with these things and that's what's so scary <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> and, and that is why we make things for a living and also have a podcast about making things. Oh, right. I feel like the podcast has been even has caused more of this than me doing this for my work, <laughs> because a lot of these things I'll be like, well, I don't actually do this for my regular work. 
And then I go, oh, but it's okay because I can talk about it on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And so suddenly it's magically work, like anything we want to try. Yeah. Like everything nice, we turn it into work. (laughs) Indeed. So at this point in the podcast, I would like to wrap things up a little with something that I forgot to do. And something that I should have done in a previous episode, and I'd like to do it now, if that's all right. Go ahead. All right. So I failed to do something pretty important in season one, episode 17. And Cammie, one of our listeners, was kind enough to bring it to my attention. Yeah, thank you, Cammie. Thanks, Thanks, Cammie. Cammie. Um, So in case you don't all remember our episodes by number, episode 17 is the one where my mom joined us, and then I told a story about the TSA searching my bag for a mysterious blade that none of us could find, and the hilarity that ensued. If you haven't heard that episode, I'll fast forward to the end and say that after a pretty long search through my project bag and a lot of confusion... I ended up finding a forgotten credit card multi-tool that was hidden in my wallet, which I then handed over to the TSA agents. We all had a good chuckle about it, and then I went on my merry way. Which brings us to the thing that I failed to do. What I failed to mention in that episode is that the reason this interaction turned into a funny story that I could tell on a podcast... A silly adventure with the TSA, instead of a scary or even possibly dangerous incident, is in large part owed to the fact that I, like my two co-hosts, am a middle-class white woman. If I hadn't been, this could have been a very different kind of story. It is a very different kind of story for many of our friends within the crafting community. And the thing is, I was aware of my privilege as I was telling the story. But it doesn't matter. Being aware isn't the same thing as saying something. And I should have said something. Next time, I will say something. Mm-hmm. And so thank you, Cammy, for taking the time to start this conversation with us. It was a really important one for us to have. Yeah. Additionally, in light of the conversation on racism and representation that has been happening within the knitting community during the past weeks and months... We, the hosts of the Very Serious Crafts podcast, have also made a statement in support of our friends of color over on our Instagram account, where much of this conversation has been taking place. So we usually end each episode with a bit of light chatter, but today we think this is a good place to close. You can find us on the internet, on Instagram and Twitter at Serious Crafts, and on Facebook at Very Serious Crafts. You can also find show notes and all things Very Serious Crafts at VerySeriousCrafts.com.